We appreciate very much the presence of each one here this afternoon. We're glad that you stayed with us. Um, we have visitors once again. I'm always glad to have visitors in the crowd, and that's the case. It has been uh, throughout the meeting, and I'm very happy for that. Tonight, for our last uh, study, I'd like to read a verse of Scripture that's familiar to all of us, I would say. And we're going to talk about this idea because I think that this is something which we all need to know about. I'm going to Luke chapter 23, and I'll read there as introduction, verse 34. The Bible says, Then said Jesus... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. You know this story. This is Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. What has Jesus got on his mind? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I find that this is an example for us, and it's something which I'm afraid some people miss. Uh, they miss out on this opportunity uh, that Jesus offers us to forgive. Now, I'm going to be talking about personal things. We're not going to be talking about um, doctrinal issues or issues with the church. I'm going to be talking about one-on-one, -on -one, our relationship with each other, and how we should be willing to treat each other in this personal way. I think it's critical that you and I understand that our salvation depends upon how we treat others, particularly for our study this evening, how we forgive others. It's critical, and I cannot stress that strongly enough. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. Now, let me give you a little sample of what's going on, and I'll just sort of build the scene for you. Jesus is hanging here in the worst way that the Romans, who were born and bred on terror and cruelty, had ever conceived of to kill a person. They got him hanging on the cross. You know, when you're hanging on the cross, you know how you died? You suffocated. Your body's pulling down on your diaphragm, this muscle between your lungs and your abdomen, and it gradually just shuts you off. Uh, you get to the point that you can't lift yourself up again, and eventually you suffocate. Now that's what Jesus is doing. What is everybody else doing? Well, there's a mob gathered around and they're walking back and forth in front of our Savior. And what are they saying? They're ridiculing Him. They're making all manner of sport out of the Lord. Let me tell you something about this crowd. There's some in this crowd who benefited from the loaves and fishes that the Lord demonstrated while He was on this earth. I guarantee you. There's some in this crowd that either directly or indirectly have uh, benefited from the, the, the uh, healing of Jesus. Uh, they've seen His healing and His power uh, on themselves or upon somebody else. They've witnessed that. And now they've forgotten all about that and all they can think about is trying to ridicule the Lord and hurt Him more. And what's Jesus thinking about? You know what Jesus could have done, the Bible says? He could have called for 12 legions of angels. Now, how many is in a legion? Well, we don't really know because we don't know if he's talking about a Jewish legion or he's talking about a Roman legion. But everybody agrees that uh, 12 legions would have been at least in excess of 72,000 individuals. Now, you know, if you've ever studied anything about angels, when you want something done, it doesn't take 72,000. It was one angel swept over Egypt and killed all the firstborn. It is one angel down through history that has done God's bidding on this earth. But Jesus could have called for 72,000 of God's mighty angels. I don't know about you. I guess I'll just well fess up. That would have been a temptation for me. 
Here they are ridiculing and mocking, and I could have called for 72,000 of God's angels. Wouldn't that have been something to see? They could have swept down here and scoured the earth of your enemies. But Jesus didn't think that. That wasn't on his mind. You know what Jesus is thinking about? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I have to ask you a question right here, and I'd like to make this a personal uh, because I want you to get the gist of it. If I were to ask you, uh, how do you define the word forgive? How, how, what do you mean when you say forgive? And I've done this uh, for a test, and here's what I get out of it. Well, you know, you, 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 uh, you, you forgive. You know, you forgive someone. You have, uh, And by the way, oh, it's not a word I've heard. Uh, you forgive them. What do you do? You know, you forgive them. You, uh, you know what we do when we forgive. Yeah, but what's the definition? Now listen, you can say it over and over as many times as you want to, and that's still not a definition. There is a definition of what you do when you forgive. And I'm going to write it right over here on this side of the board. When you forgive someone, uh, here's what happens. You send, look here, you send it away. Send it away. You forgive. Send it away. Or there's another definition. You let it go. Let it go. That's forgiveness. And there's a third definition, and I want to put it up here too. When you forgive someone, you give it up. Give it up. Now next time somebody asks you to define forgiveness, just pick any one of those you like and that'll work just fine. Uh, when you forgive someone, you send it away, you let it go, you give it up. But now the next question is, where do you send it? Who do you give it to? Who do you let it go to? What did Jesus do? Well, listen. 1 Peter 2, I'm going to start reading at verse uh, 23. Speaking of Jesus. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. What do we do when we forgive? We send it away to him who judges righteously. We let it go to him who judges righteously. We give it up to him who judges righteously. Now let's get all this together. These people that are crucifying Jesus, did they ask for his forgiveness? No, they didn't. Did they repent for crucifying him? They did not. Did Jesus forgive them? Yes, he did. Did God forgive them? No. They're still answerable to God. Jesus gave it up to God. He turned it over to him. He gave him the opportunity to deal with this situation because that's one thing God does. Now, this is something, again, I think we get to get in our head. Uh, you say, well, you know, that was Jesus, and Jesus is God, and uh, I guess God could do that. Well, I have another example, and this is not God. This is found in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts. And we find out that there's a fellow there by the name of Stephen. Stephen goes down and preaches to a bunch of Jews. Uh, he tells them they're stiff-necked, uncircumcised, heart and ears. And they begin to pick up dust and throw it up in the air. Let me tell you something. Back in those days, if you saw a bunch of Jews gathering up dirt and throwing it in the air, begin to sort out some rocks, you were about to get in trouble. And that's what's happening. These people are pitching dust up in the air. They're picking up rocks. 
And we find out a magic thing happened. A door opened into heaven, a window maybe. And uh, Stephen looks right into through this window and he sees Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. I need a little sa a sidebar on that because that's a very important thing. Everywhere else in the Bible where it refers to the, the, the uh, stature of Jesus compared to God, he's always sitting at the right hand of God. Not this time. He's standing and he's looking out this window down here on Stephen. Why is he standing? Because this is the first human being that's ever shed his blood for Jesus and his, uh, the gospel in the, in the Lord's church. This is the first Christian murder and our Lord's concern. He's looking down here on this earth because this is the first one to die for him. What has Stephen got on his mind? You know that bunch of ferocious Jews that are stoning him to death? Uh, I can't think of hardly anything to be worse than being stoned to death. What does Stephen think about this? Uh, notice what he says about it in Acts 7 verse 60. Lord, lay not this into their charge. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what to do. Stephen says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Did they ask for Stephen's forgiveness? They did not. Did they repent for stoning Stephen? They did not. Did Stephen, re uh, did Stephen forgive them? Yes, he did. He turned it over to him who judges righteously. Did God forgive them? No, they're still answerable to God. Jesus and Stephen serve as models for us at this day and time. Models of what I prefer to call unconditional forgiveness. Unconditional forgiveness. Forgiveness that's not asked for. Uh, forgiveness which is not earned or deserved. They just forgave them. And I'd like to look into that in some detail because it's a very valuable thing if you learn to unconditionally forgive. It's valuable in two ways. And the first way is simply this. It's valuable for your, in, this, in your life. Uh, to be able to forgive is a great benefit that you and I have uh, if we're Christians. And I find this is something that um, we've talked about a little bit. Uh, you remember in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we call it, Matthew chapter 5. One of the things that Jesus says about this is, bless Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, there's one thing you and I are going to need in Judgment Day. We're going to need some mercy. Well, if you're going to have some mercy, you have to be merciful. But I find out this also, the idea of mercy, and I looked at this in some detail, this includes the idea that if you will be merciful, this assists in you being happy. I talked about that one night. The Christian has an opportunity to be happy unlike anybody else. And one of the things that add to his happiness is the fact that he has the opportunity to forgive. And I'll show you just here in a minute or two what a great privilege that actually is. We find that this is something which can aid and benefit to us in our time here on this earth. When I started working on this lesson, there's a brother that I was very close to. He has since died, I'm sorry to tell you. As uh, far as I'm concerned, now I don't have any doubt about it. Uh, he opened up his eyes in paradise, uh, so I'm happy for him. But he told me, and this man was a counselor, he had counseled the schools mostly for over 30 years. And he told me during this period of time that he dealt with a lot of people who had some sad problems. Especially, he said, children who had bad problems. He dealt with children that were underachievers. He dealt with children who were socially inept. He dealt with children that were mad and mean. And he said, I'm going to tell you what I learned. He said, in that 30 years, I found this out. 
He said, if I could ever get down to the bottom of what their problem was, he said, if I could weave down there and get to the bottom of what's hurting this person or hurting this uh, uh, whoever it is that's showing these symptoms, he said, if I could get down there, it was usually unforgiveness, especially in children. He said, if an adult offends or hurts a child, it's hard for them to get it, get it out and to get rid of it. It is something which they feel overwhelmed because they're children and it's an adult who hurt them. But he said, if we could bring that to the surface, it worked miracles. All of a sudden, that child who was an unperformer, all of a sudden they snapped to life and they began to be socially apt. They began to be uh, educationally uh, uh, successful. He said it worked wonders. But he said it was hard, hard to get to that position. And he said that there's a lot of irrational attitudes that come out of this. He said there are a lot of people who think, um, my Deborah, Deborah's a counselor, as you know, and she's added quite a bit to this lesson. Uh, they think, uh, Deborah says, that you can drink the poison and your adversary will die. And that doesn't work that way. <clears throat> And children think that they could drink the poison and their adversary will die. And the way you drink the poison is you never forgive them. I've had people tell me, I'll never forgive him. I don't care if he's alive. I don't care if he's dead. I'll never forgive him. So what? Say the person's offended or hurt you in some way is dead. Uh, you think they care if you don't forgive them? Suppose that was 20 years ago. This is all water under the, the bridge. Does anybody care about that? Nobody but you. And you're the one that's being hurt. I went on to say, this, bro this brother, he said, you know, people who will not forgive, they have latent anger. You know what latent anger is? Stored up anger. Stored up. You ever see anybody that's mad all the time? I have. I know some. I know some that are just bubbling right under the surface. They're just ready to blow out or blow up. Uh, they've got latent anger. He said they have a desire for revenge. Uh, they have resentment in their heart. They've got hurt feelings. They've got bitterness all bad for you. And he said the reason, if you could get to it, they were holding a grudge. You know, we got so much rage in our country, we got it named. You see all these school shootings. You see all this road rage. That's people that are, are boiling over. Uh, this brother told me, he says, we've got perennial rage. We've got spousal rage. We've got adolescent rage. We've got road rage. We've got sports rage. That's a sad commentary on any, uh, on any society, isn't it? That you've got so many different versions of rage that you've got to name them like that. But he said, that's what's happened. And he says, as a result of this, we find a lot of bitter, bitter uh, harsh, coarse, spiteful people. A lot of people who have low self-esteem, they're unhappy, they're low achievers, they're physically, and this is one you want to remember, they're physically sick. You know, unforgiveness and stress it produces can make you sick. It could bring all sorts of ill to some. Well, I got so enthused about studying about it. I got a little book. I got a little book by a fellow by the name of Robert Dr. Robert Enright. Dr. Enright was an educational psychologist at the University of Wisconsin. And uh, the reason I liked his book, he was sensible about it. Uh, he said, you know, we understand it's difficult to be able to measure what happens to a person before and after they forgive. 
But we tried the hardest we could. And we come up some, with some conclusions. So the person who learns how to forgive, uh, one of the things that we notice is it removes bitterness out of their hearts. He said it is something which allows them some kindness, some kind speaking. It is something which affects their actions and their thoughts. They begin to deal with other people better. But he said, one thing we did learn, if you'll forgive, you can get some sleep. I would ask you, have you ever laid awake at night in your bed in the wee hours of the morning thinking of what somebody did to you? Have you ever been guilty of that? You're losing sleep over what somebody's done to you. Now, who's suffering there? You think your offender's suffering because you can't sleep? That's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Dr. Enright said that we should not allow our adversary to have not one teaspoon full of our brains to occupy. Don't let them occupy not one teaspoon. You know, I thought about it thinking about myself or the people I hang out with, we don't have a teaspoon full of brains to waste. You sure don't want your adversary hanging in there. So he says you've got to get rid of that. And the very best way that you possibly can, if you're laying there sleepless some night, is just uh, ask your father to forgive them, turn over and go to sleep. He says you'll be amazed how it works. Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. Meantime, I'm going to get some rest. You turn it over to him who's able to judge righteously. That's just another benefit of living the Christian life. You get this burden off of your heart and just let God have it and let him deal with it and you get some sleep. There are spiritual benefits and these are more important. Spiritual benefits from being able to forgive. Uh, listen to this verse. Uh, I'm going to ask you before him. Have you ever read this verse before? Here it is. Mark 11 verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone... Forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. You see what that said? If you have anything, anything, you know, he's been a real meaning to me. Anything? You got anything against anyone? Does he have to ask for your forgiveness? No. Does he have to repent for what he has done unto you? No. Does he have to be alive? No. Does he have to be dead? None of those. You still have to forgive him. You forgive him. And the benefit is you spiritually have elevated your position as far as your relationship with God. You have to forgive if you want to be forgiven. That's just exactly the way it is. We must forgive others if we want to be forgiven. Ephesians 4 verse 32. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We have to forgive, just like God has forgiven us. Now here, uh, people usually ask me, what about the teaching over there in Matthew chapter 18? You know the teaching? Your brother's offended you or sinned against you. What do you do? You go to him and you try to get him to repent. He doesn't repent, so you get two or three more brethren, and you go back to him and you try to get him to repent. He won't repent, so you take him before the church. What about that? Well, listen, that's for his benefit. We're trying to get him to do right now. We're trying to get him to repent. You've already forgiven him. And now you're trying to do what you can to cause your brother, who has hurt you in some way, to correct his life. That's the way that works. Uh, you've already forgiven him and moved on. One time the disciples came up to the Lord and they said, uh, uh, would you teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples how to pray? 
and Jesus begins what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Now, I prefer to call it the prayer of example, and I'm going to read some of it to you this evening, and I'm going to warn you about something. I learned a long time ago, uh, you need to pay attention to little words in the Bible. There's a lot of little words in the Bible, and you don't just scum over them, my daughter used to say. You uh, read them and pay attention. Now, listen, I'm going to read enough of this that you'll get to hear the little word. See if you recognize it. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin at verse 12. Jesus says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Do you see what the word was? The word was in the first verse, verse 12. And the word is this little word right here. It is the word as. You know, a few years ago we had a president, didn't know what is is. But I know what as is. You know what as means? Like. It means like. Now let's look at it again. And let's be sure uh, if we want to pray this prayer of example. How are we supposed to be forgiving? And notice verse 12 again. Forgive us our debts like we forgive our debtors. Are you sure? Are you sure that's the way you want to be forgiven? You need to think about that because there are many people who have gotten themselves in a situation they don't forgive like they'd want to be forgiven. They expect God to do something for them that they won't do for their brother. You know, that's a situation. It's mentioned other places in the Bible. Uh, let me go while we're right there in Matthew 18 and let's read a little bit further. I'm going over to verse, uh, uh, at verse 23. And here, by the way, this is the longest parable in the Bible. Jesus is doing the teaching. And uh, notice, notice the teaching. I'm going to read the long version of this so we'll get all of it. In Matthew 18, I'm going to start at verse uh, 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. I've tried my best to find out how much American money that'd be. There's no way to know. We don't know again if this is a Greek talent or this is a Roman talent. We don't know if it's a silver talent or it's a gold talent. You saw all that would make a difference. But it's 10,000 talents and almost all the authorities agree this would be in excess of $100,000. So we're talking about a whole lot of money. This servant owes him 10,000 talents. Look on. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. He can't pay. So his Lord is going to have him sold, and his wife, and everything he owns, sell it, and put it on his debt. They used to do that, still do that in some countries. They sell people into bondage uh, to pay debts. Look on. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will, pay, I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved and had compassion and uh, loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now this servant that owed so much money, his master forgave him. 
Now, it was a magnanimous so he wasn't and forgave him this huge debt. Now, this uh, same guy goes out, and he finds one of his fellow servants who owes him 100 pence. 100 pence is about $20. Owes him $20. And look what he does. He laid hands uh, on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. He grabs this other servant like a dog grabbing a rat, and he shakes him and says, I want you to pay me what you owe me. $20. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. And when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee that debt because you desirest me. Uh, shouldest not thou also have compassion on the fellow servant, even as had pity on thee? And his Lord was wrought and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my father, uh, heavenly father, do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. That's a sad story, isn't it? The one who's had this huge debt forgiven goes out and grabs his fellow servant and shakes him like he said, like a dog, wants $20 back. And when the master finds out about it, he's not a bit happy. He says, deliver him to the tormentors. You know, um, this makes me think of something when I look at that. Do you know that you and I owe a tremendous debt? A tremendous debt. A bigger debt than we'll ever pay. We ever can pay. You know what that debt is? That's the blood of the only begotten Son of God. We're in debt for that. We can never pay that debt off. So what are we going to do? Are we going to have a little mercy on our fellow servants? I sure do hope so. Because that's what's going to be expected out of us. We can never pay this debt that we owe back to our Father in Heaven. We need to have patience and at least be on the side of our fellow servants. Uh, give them the benefit. Uh, you know, this concept of unconditional forgiveness is very much a Christian principle. It's taught throughout the Lord's will. Here's a couple of more verses. Luke 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Mark 11, verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. If you don't forgive, he's not going to forgive you. Again, my little in-house counselor, she says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free. And you may discover the, prisoners, the prisoner is you. You set a prisoner free when you forgive, and that may be you. One last one she gave me. Forgiveness is the gift we give ourselves. You want to get this burden off your heart? You want to move on along and, and pick up your step and enjoy the benefits of the Christian life? Forgive anybody that's done anything to you for anything. They don't have to ask. They don't have to repent. But you do have to forgive them. I have a little notation here, and I, I don't read this all the time because I don't like to think about it sometimes. If you're dealing with a person for which you have no forgiveness... Somebody's going to be lost over that. At least one of them is going to be you. We have to forgive if we want to be forgiven. I was holding a meeting in California about four years ago. 
same place I'm going to go. I believe it's the same place where I'll be this next Lord's Day, the Lord willing. And it was time to start services. And just about the time to start it up, I looked at the door, and in came one of my old friends, tall, rangy cowboy type, and here he came. And he just double t- uh, timing it down the, uh, up to where I'm at. And I saw him and I thought, oh, no, 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 here he comes. That guy, he's windy. He is windy. He tells the longest stories you've ever heard in your life. And he comes striding up to me and he says, Joe, I want to tell you a story. I said, I don't have time to hear your story. Uh, save it till after services. No, he said, I want to tell it to you now. It's not long. So what do you do? Go for it. Tell me the story. And here's the story he told me. And I was kind of glad I listened because as you see, I've got it plugged into this sermon. Uh, It's a pretty good little story. He said about 200 years ago, there was an old Indian sitting out beside his teepee. Now this guy, it's always an old Indian. Old Indian sitting out beside his teepee and he's got his little grandson sitting on his lap. And he's trying to explain to his grandson about life. He's trying to tell a little boy uh, what he could expect. And the way he's doing it, he's doing it like this. He said, son, you've got two wolves inside of you, and they're fighting. They're having a horrendous fight, these two wolves are. And one of them is mean. He has no compassion. He has no sympathy. He's envious. He's jealous. He's evil speaking. There's nothing good about this one wolf. And said, the other wolf, he's compassionate. He's loving. He's kind. He's sympathetic. He's good in every way. And the little boy said, well, Grandpa, which one of them wins? And the old man said, the one you feed. Now, that is really a good lesson. You know, folks, there's enough disturbing things for us to deal with in this world. We're striving to live the Christian life. Uh, You you don't want to feed the bad wolf. Uh, You don't want to have to uh, add on to the things that you need to be dealing with. So here's one of the things you could sure do and move along. Forgive anybody that's done anything to you and go on. Show some mercy for someone because you're going to expect mercy yourself one of these days. And remember this, and I'm amazed at some people, they don't have to ask for your forgiveness. I had a man tell me one time, he said, you know, I'll never forgive him if he comes in. And he grovels. He didn't say grovel, but that's what he meant. He grovels at my feet and begs my forgiveness. Baloney. Can he forgive anybody of anything? No. What can he do? He can forgive that person and turn it over to God and go on with his life. And the idea that you won't forgive him till he begs your forgiveness is contrary to what the Lord has established for us. They don't have to beg us. They don't have to repent. They don't have to do anything toward our good. But we have to forgive them. I'm ready to close the lesson for this evening. I hope this will be beneficial to you and that you'll be able to recognize that this is just another blessing the Lord has given us that we can live the Christian life and have a happy time while we're here upon this earth and continue to live as the Lord would have us too.